0: We do it with thanks to Milk and Honey Ann Street in Toowoomba at 10 past eight, enjoying some uh, beautiful items off their menu. I tried the lamb burger this morning, it was absolutely sensational. Producer Merrill. Had the porridge. Uh, It's delicious porridge, Uh, but I must admit that lamb burger with the uh, Greek yogurt and the uh, hummus and that. Oh, yum. Coffee's the whole lot. We've got you covered at Milk and Honey, Anne Street in Toowoomba. Joining me in the studio this morning uh, for the cafe and uh, Toowoomba Regional Councillor Nancy Summerfield. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: And Joy Mingay, good morning to you from Classic Recruitment.
1: Good morning. All
0: right, let's have a chat about a couple of things. So we're going to talk about names in a moment. First off, though, uh, the story. The story of uh, Alex Chumpy Pullen, many people might remember uh, Chumpy as being one of our great snowboarders and uh, representatives at Winter Olympics. Tragically, 12 months ago, he lost his life uh, while he was uh, snorkelling off the coast of uh, the Gold Coast there. Uh, and uh, his wife made the decision uh, to extract sperm from Chumpy's body and uh, is now going to have a child. Uh, When I hear these stories, I don't know, I'm a little bit torn because I I, I don't know, uh, is that a little bit like playing God or... Is this just a wonderful, heartwarming story of a young you know, a woman who is going to have a child now with the man that she was in love with? Maybe there was discussions around children and so forth, and it never came to fruition. Uh, as long as the child is loved and taken care of, is that all that matters? Nancy, uh, what are your yeah, thoughts when you hear look, these stories?
2: It's, it's tragic, isn't it, um, that this happened? And um, from my view, the fact that the parents, his parents, supported... That it occurred would indicate that there's been a lot of discussion about them having children, and therefore it's her decision if she wants to to do that. Probably my only reservation in that is two things. One, he hasn't had a say, Uh, although previously indicated that he was wanting a child apparently, according to family. And uh, the other thing is the cost. So. Uh, so long as the taxpayer isn't forking the bill for that cost, I think I'm privately quite done. Which I with believe it is. It. Yeah, and yep. therefore I think it's what quite a personal. What about the child? Matter,
0: really? I mean, you mentioned about you know uh, Trumpy himself not having a say. I, uh, you know, my first sort of all these things. so I get a thousand things go through my head. I uh, one of them just popped up, and it was you know, is it being a little bit selfish on the on you know she obviously really wants to have a child. Uh, what about the child itself too? Also, obviously, doesn't have a say. But I guess none of us do when, when there's a pregnancy. So
2: none of us. Want to be unborn, um, so I, so I Never think I think way. the child's yep. quite happy to be here yep. on this beautiful planet that we live on. Um, yeah, so I don't think there's an issue. I don't feel there's an issue yep. with with that. And, and she may potentially find another partner, have more children, and he'll become part of a, another you know another family. Yep. So, uh, or he may be raised as a sole child. I think either way, his mother obviously desperately wants he or she. Mm. We're saying he. I'm not sure why. It's mm. sort of, We don't know what sex it is. No, think. not yet. You know, so she could be a very lucky uh, child growing up in a single uh, unit family and mm. um, and live to have a wonderful life and um, be blessed.
0: Be a contributor and of course not the right player. Uh, mm. Fantastic, uh, Joy.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit the same. I'm very torn. Um, and you know, as Nancy said, in this case, the parents, you know, were obviously supportive. But mm-hmm. often when you hear these stories, and they go, "Oh, we talked about it," and I think, "Yeah," says who. You know, I, I worry a little bit that it might not have been his choice. Yeah, and you know? that, again,
0: and, is one of the million things that come into my head, yeah, you know, yeah, is that just, did, they, did they really have that conversation? Mm, yeah. Or, you know, if they'd had it, maybe, well, they maybe mm. already have had children. And that, that uh, worries Or was he me? sort of going, you know what, I really don't want to. Yes. So, you know, yeah. how do we know?
1: Well, Mark, the geneticist said, "Oh yes, perhaps <laughs> yes. if you look at it, yep. she was making a very conscious decision that obviously he had very good genetics because well, of his definite. sporting prowess he's and an Olympic champion. So that's what attracted her was all of that. So she yep. wanted to continue continue, continue the, the genetics because yep. he's such a romantic, my husband. That yep. was his <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> so he thought you would appreciate that. <laughs> I Lee. do appreciate so there you go.
0: that. How <laughs> does it play out down the track, though? Because yeah. You know, she's a, she's a beautiful young lady mm. and she's in the prime of her life. So you're not thinking that she's just, you know, turning away to become a widow for the rest of her life. So she now goes into a into another relationship Ooh. and now there's this whole scenario. Then she has to deal with the child down the track is, well, you know, the, I mean, the question's going to be, is, is that my dad? No, that's not my dad. Well, where is my dad? Yeah. And then how did it, How did I actually get here then? If my dad died, on doing the math here. Uh, he was gone long before. The, that's a, it's a tough conversation that she's going to have to have. Ooh. Is that part of the issue too?
1: Yeah, well, it is. I think, uh, to me, I think you said it at the beginning of, you know, playing God. I just, I'm probably a bit old fashioned. It just, there's a few issues there that sort of worry me that, as you say, there's every chance that she will meet someone and we all mm. hope she will yeah, and absolutely. and have that family that she wanted. And I, the other thing, Nancy, that would worry me is a decision made in this time when she's grieving and You know, to Mm. make a decision of Mm. that, you know, having Mm. a child is a huge thing in any relationship. Mm. So to make a decision of this magnitude with all those um, issues that you said, Lee, to make that issue now when it's not even 12 months since he died. You mm. just, you would wonder, because you read about IVF, they have to talk to psychologists and mm. be sure. And that, so you'd
0: have to think that process has gone through
1: yeah, as well. There's yeah. been plenty of discussions. This isn't just I, something that they've yeah. just
0: gone, well, here you go, there you go, there it yeah. is, and you can now do that. Uh, you're going to have to go through quite a process, I would imagine, to yeah. get to that and, point. And yeah.
1: that worries me um, a little bit, that when she's probably not in a great headspace to make a decision like that, Yeah, you mm. know, that, it's just all those things, but mm. I mean, wish them well. Uh,
0: exactly. And yeah. as I said before, if the child is loved and looked after and uh, and so forth, then, hey, happy days, because mm. uh, there are a lot that aren't, even in, mm. you know, oh, to a live parent absolutely. family, let's be honest. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, it could be a very different scenario. Uh, all right. Uh, what's in a name? Now, this is interesting. Uh, I've never had to worry about it. Joy, you wouldn't have to no, worry about it. Simple. Uh very simple. Nancy. Yeah. Uh, probably not something, except your last name. Now, I might have to put my hand up here, uh, because the way you're Name is spelled, it could be Sommerfeld. Uh, have I been saying it right, pronouncing it basically Sommerfeld?
2: It is Sommerfeld, and often uh, I say to people um, if you can't Got remember my name. name, just think Winter Paddock.
0: There you go. Sommerfeld. Oh. Yeah. All right, so even though it's the O, it still pronounces summer. So yeah, yeah and look, as Faulkner with the last name, it's not normally mm. pronounced wrong. But I tell you what, I've got a thousand trophies from junior sport, and there wouldn't be one with the same spelling on it. F O R K F A W K N A at the end mm. instead of any. I've got a thousand different spellings. I never really worried too much about it. Uh, but how important is it that we do get people's names right? This uh, has appeared online. It's a university student. Her name, I think, it's uh, pronounced uh, Afina. But it's spelled A-W uh, and then the rest of the letters, and and look, there are some incredible uh, spellings, and uh, you know that you've just you've got no chance of uh, of getting right by looking at it as it is. But is it still uh, the university professor has told her to get over uh, asking them to try to pronounce it right? They're saying, look, I'm just going to call you by a nickname because I just can't be bothered to learn the correct pronunciation of your name. How important is it that we do embrace these even unusual names and make sure that we're calling people by their? correct correct name, Nancy?
2: Look, I think it is important to try and call people by their right name. And so um, when I emcee a citizenship ceremony, we have so many um, beautiful (sighs) people coming to make Australia home that have names that to my uh, language and understanding is extremely difficult Mm. to, to pronounce. And so when I'm emceeing, I always say, At the beginning, look, I will do my best to pronounce your name correctly, but I do apologize in advance because I know I will be making some errors. And I find that the, the majority of people, when I say their name, I always do the eye contact thing with them. To see how well I went. Yes. A lot of them will smile and shake their head. Some of them will nod and shake and smile. But there will be the odd person who is offended. Yes. Um, even though you've apologised in advance and you have tried your best. I mean, some of those people have six and eight names, and yep. o- and the majority of those six and eight names are really unpronounceable for mm. people of Australian or English language. That's
0: right, because we haven't learned. And look, even, uh, and this is a, a tragic uh, scenario that, that we didn't embrace the culture when I was going to school, but even a lot of the Indigenous names, uh, town mm. names and, and people's names, I, I am very concerned about and tribal. I, I don't like to get those wrong and I do the very best that I can, but I do inevitably get some wrong because mm. I just didn't learn them at a young age. And when you're mm. trying to learn them as you get older, as we know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, Joy, uh, you know, similar yeah, I thoughts? Think,
1: I think in this case, the one you're talking about, I think that's just bad manners on mm. the part of the professor. Yeah. Like if it's someone you've met like Nancy's situation for the first time. Yeah. And most people, as you say, you know, um, don't know. Maybe you've got the exact pronunciation, but they know you've tried. But if it's someone that you work with or you see mm. every day, mm. you know, I think that's offensive. Um, I know, you know, when I used to go to the graduations at USQ um, mm. for Chamber, I was always absolutely thrilled at all the beautiful names. Yes. And and how well the um, academic staff out there could pronounce the names of all of their students, mm. and you know, and every now and then there'd be a bit of a chuckle between the the mm. relevant lecturer and the student, and you could tell that he'd been trying to get that right for a long time, you yes. know. But <laughs> you know, it was done from a place of, of goodwill, mm. and I just saw it in this case. You know, it was bad manners, but I mean, mm. heavens, we've got Australians who are Australian born third, fourth generation that come up with the most bizarre oh. names for their children. Absolutely. You know, the grandchildren come home and talk about their friend and you go, pardon me? Pardon me? Yes. sorry, Sorry? Sorry? Who? Yes. What? You know, what happened to Jane and Tom? and <laughs> uh,
0: I know, yeah. but look, I'm, I, you know, I know that things have to go in a different direction. Yes. But sometimes I think people do get a little bit over the top and I do remember doing one a number of years ago I, and it was literally an L and then a stroke and then a, a a a, and I said, "What, what is that?" And, and the woman said, "It's Ladasha."
1: <laughs> oh, my lord, isn't that amazing? That was the name, mm.
0: Ladasha. Ladasha. Uh, and anyway, what's in a name? Well, would you thank my guests, June and Nora? Uh, it's been wonderful <laughs> to have you in here this morning. No, of course, Nancy Somerfield from the Toowoomba Regional Council. Thank you. Uh, Winter Paddock, I'll be thinking of that forever yes. more. And Joy Mingay from Classic Recruitment. Thank you both for being thanks, in the cafe Lee. this morning. I think we've solved those problems. And it's all thanks to Milk and Honey, Anne Street and Toowoomba. Go and enjoy yourself a nice warm coffee on a day like this at Milk and Honey. It's 21 past eight. Leave for breakfast. Uh, You've probably heard of Mates for Mates, a fantastic organisation that uh, really does incredible work behind the scenes working with our return servicemen and women Uh, and I've spoken about Mates for Mates many times so I'm joined this morning by Laura Duckworth from Mates for Mates uh, to talk about a campaign they're running at the moment. Good morning to you Laura.
3: Good morning, Lee. How
0: are you? I'm really well, thank you. And and look, the the work that your team does is absolutely fantastic. For those that aren't familiar, uh, you might just give us a little bit of an idea of what Mates for Mates does.
3: Sure. Yeah. So uh, Mates for Mates we're a a veteran um, organisation. We provide services for veterans and their families. We've established in 2013 um, and we've slowly become one of the leading charities. Um, we provide physical, psychological and social support services um, for all of the defense community. Usually when they've left defense, defense is a more um, prevalent time of where they need that support. Um, but yeah, so that's how we, how we go about our business and, and slowly we're moving nationwide. We have, um, family recovery centres here in South East Queensland, um, in, up in North Queensland and Tasmania. And we've um, recently uh, become like the leading uh, organisation in a wellbeing programme up in uh, Northern Territory.
0: Fantastic. All right. Tell us about your end of financial year tax appeal.
3: So, yes. Yeah, so this year, our tax appeal, um, like any charity, where obviously we strongly rely on donations to provide these services for our our um, clients um, but yeah so this year we're focusing on the social connection we all know um, clinical services are a critical part of recovery um, and you know but social connections have recently become like a lifeline for many of our veterans um, without them a lot of our clients you know they, they can feel alone and, and not really misunderstood they lose their identity when they leave defense um, so yeah so that's we're really having a big push on our social connection piece and and the work that our um, liaison officers especially um, and do the face-to-face connections um, out there in the community.
0: Uh, where can people go to help out with your fundraising campaign?
3: Best place to head out is to our website. Um, and if you head to supportmatesformates.org, dot um, yep, it'll is an easy guide on there, how to donate and yeah, any little helps as you as you can imagine. Um, it is just really crucial to get these services and, and provide these kind of programs to our to our clients.
0: Absolutely. All right, South East Queensland Regional Manager Laura Duckworth from Mates for Mates. Thank you very much for your time this morning and the work that you do in our community for our veterans.
3: Oh, thank you, Lee. And, yeah, no, that's what we're here. We need to get behind them and, and support them.
0: 100%.
4: I'm part of
3: showing off these... 12 beautiful pieces
4: of corsetry and lingerie that Lorraine White has created. And we're also sprinkling that show with a couple of burlesque performances by Bombshell Burlesque.
0: How fantastic. Just explain to us, for those that don't really understand what burlesque is, What what is the art of burlesque?
4: For sure, burlesque is the art of tease. So it's peeling layers in an artful manner. It has Uh, elements of theatre and comedy, as well as a lot of glamour involved.
0: How important is the garments and and what uh, Lorraine puts into those garments uh, to provide you with what you're going to present?
4: It is so important. Creating that image, the fantasy, is at such a core of what we do. It's absolutely imperative that those garments are correct and beautiful so that we can create our looks and our moments on stage. Do
0: you find corsetry and and this Mm. intricate lingerie, Mm -hmm. uh, it it seems to be making a, a, well, I don't know that it wasn't always there, but Mm -hmm. it certainly appears to me to be making a real comeback at the moment.
4: I feel like we've gone such full circle with the idea that, uh, you know, in the 80s, to be a powerful woman, you had to be almost masculine. You know, you had the big shoulder pads, yes. power suits. Pant and suits, yes. kind of come around where you can still be powerful and feminine and be delicate at the same time. We don't have to discard our femininity in order to be um, a powerful woman. We can do both. We can do it all. Well, absolutely,
0: <laughs> and uh, in these extraordinary garments, uh, mm. uh, which uh, Lorraine has been putting together. Now, this has been yes. happening at the Cobb Co Museum, and then That's this right. is going to culminate with uh, this uh, show, which is coming up on Saturday night at the Empire Theatre. What a beautiful background! I don't know if you've uh, been to our Empire Theatre before. It's
4: stunning. It's oh. absolutely beautiful. I can't think of anywhere better to showcase this.
0: Uh, it's just a—it's a building of old world charm and. And uh, right. I think it uh, it lends itself to uh, what you're going to be doing there. Uh, these 12 garments uh, representing 12 decades of women's right. lingerie and corsetry. Is there a favourite decade?
4: Oh, oh gosh, it's so hard. I love anything with a corset because it's so exaggerated, and I think it's really part of the fantasy. I personally i am pretty excited about the last piece, which I personally get to wear, uh, which is an early 2000s. They call it a bunny suit. Uh, So if you can imagine what the Playboy bunnies wore, like their little swimsuits with corsetry. Uh, Lorraine's created an incredible version of that um, and I'm very excited to put that on the catwalk.
0: Wow, okay, well what a fantastic uh, uh, display this is uh, not Mm. only at our Co Museum but of course uh, this uh, show which will be happening Saturday night at the Empire Theatre and uh, information at both of those websites, the uh, Co Museum website, also the uh, Empire Theatre website on uh, what is happening there. Uh, Lila, thank you so much for your time this morning it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I hope you really enjoy the uh, the presentation, the show on Saturday night.
4: Oh, without a doubt. Hope to see everyone there. You
0: cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious, and it's been dubbed Bonk Stock, a four-day festival of the flesh in Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom. But locals failed to see the fun, complaining that their village's peace and quiet was shattered by screaming and moaning from the Swingers Festival last weekend. 400 swingers took part in swingathon hot tubs a naked singer fetish demos and a miss and mr swingathon 2021 competition was on offer for kinky guests for around 200 quid a ticket couples could also enjoy a mobile dungeon a wet t-shirt competition a lincoln park tribute band and adult bouncy castles But unconfirmed reports suggest that limited coronavirus guidelines were in place at the festival, including a lack of social distancing and hygiene facilities. Did I mention... According to the Swingathon website, there was a BDSM demo, a sweet bar, outdoor cinema, and most bizarrely, clay pigeon shooting, which I just hope is not some sort of metaphor. Either way... Anyway, next time you're out fishing and getting no bites... Put away the prawns and lures and try a bit of crystal meth. No, not for you, for the fish. New research claims fish are becoming addicted to methamphetamine after ingesting it through contaminated water. And I love the fact the study was done on the brown trout, this time not a metaphor. With meth use on the rise around the world, the drug is ending up in waterways after passing through the users and fish can't get enough, even displaying withdrawal symptoms. Fish even spend more time around water treatment areas in an attempt to get another hit. So, next time you're trying to find Nemo, try Charlie Sheen's house.
2: You cannot
0: be serious! (laughs)